Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me in this here sinking ship of a nebula thing, my comrades in arms, my dear friends, Commander Eric, and of course, Lieutenant Commander David. What's happening? Not much. Great. Great. I'm loving, I'm loving the energy right now. This is like top notch right here, man. It's like you've just like stuck your arms out wide and you're just like waiting for like the stuff around you just to come inside you to charge you up. You know, what I'm I, I really think you should phrase that differently. I'm good with it. <laughs> I mean, like, let's not let's not go back a couple episodes to how Eric was talking. We don't need that sort of thing around here. I mean, come on. Arms wide open. I just heard the news today. Seems my life is going to change. No? Speaking of life's changing, right? That's a good segue. That's a great segue. Look at it. Perfect transition. You didn't even plan it. Neither did I. Mm. 100% not planned. Mm. Spotlight on Eric. It's a busy time in my world right now. Do tell. I mean, I got final. We got final plans, final preparations for the big day. You know, by the time you're hearing this, it'll be less than a week. Mm-hmm. It's the final countdown. It is the final countdown. Yeah, man. Now it's a little bit more than 17 seconds, but you know, pretty pretty close. That's right. So right. more than 17 seconds, less than the longest year. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Bro, look. It, okay, look. David, I want to go on record with this, okay? I want to go on record with you, David, since, you know, you and I are the the scholars in this, right? Like, we read books and we review them. Eric, I swear, if we show up at your wedding and you've got, like, hair down to your your butt crack, we're going to have some serious questions that need to be asked, okay? Like, how was that the longest week? Longest hair in the longest week. I'm assuming that's a book reference that I yeah, that's a book that I missed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I was like, I mean, I don't, I don't get it. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. Did I get caught in like a time bubble and maybe it sped me up? But we we read things so you don't have to. Okay. (laughs) Oh, I like I love reading. Like, Chase, you said you and David are the scholars. Like, say what? (laughs) I'm not a scholar. I mean. Wait a minute. I'm a scholar, too. You're a scholar on the, you know, 30th and 31st of February, okay? That's that's when that happens. Oh, I see. Hey, Chase, how many months have 28 days? 12. Okay, good. (laughs) All of them. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see like the I see like those like dumb reels and TikTok stuff, you know, like with those like folks that like ask those questions. I'm like, come on now. Hey, sending reels and sending TikToks is a love language. That's true. That's true. Is it your <laughs> love language, Eric? Sit, you're never just sitting on the couch looking through it and then ooh, that one would be interesting and you share it with somebody. Don't tell me you've never done that. No. And I also hate the whole idea of my love language, 
My love language is touch <laughs> and reciprocal action and doing good. Damn, David. What, what a bunch of touchy feelings. People just wanted to be bleepy, loved. People bleepy, just want to be bleepy. loved. Uh huh. Yeah, all you need is love. Some weird band said that a long time yeah. ago. Uh, very smart man. Shot in the back. Very tragic. Very tragic. <laughs> hey, he spent $5,000 on a toilet seat. <laughs> <laughs> David at least got that reference. Lots of times when I say that, people are like, "What? Nah. It's from a movie." <laughs> I'm just here for the ride. A lot of times, you know what I'm saying? You know, an utterly ridiculous movie, but a ridiculously entertaining movie. I might add. That's a great. Movie. Whose sequel is downright awful? So what have you what have you guys been up to besides Eric, you know, being in the final countdown? Yeah, spring break. Woohoo! Right? Got got the, the spring break coincides with the quarter ending, right? So they had their big midterm and got all my grades in, made sure I have everything all set before I go on vacation so I don't have to do anything on vacation cuz I'm not doing any of that on vacation. No. No, especially you're not. this vacation. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Louisiana vacation. Let's go. Louisiana. Fire up, baby. No, <clears throat> no one. Okay, it's fine. I don't get that reference. It's okay. It's a Popeyes commercial. It's fine. Oh, Popeyes. Yeah. Fun fact. Did you know Popeyes restaurant was named after um, the character in The French Connection, Popeye Doyle? Mm-mm. I was. I always thought it was named after the, you know the sailor man. Nope, Gene Hackman's character Popeye Doyle in the French Connection. Okay, did y'all did y'all see this? Like there there was this um, I guess like a paparazzi that has like nothing better to do, and like I saw this thing pop up recently. It was like Gene Hackman spotted for the first time in years, ninety three years yeah. old. I did. I did. I didn't read the article, but I, I saw either. that headline. Wow. Like just leave well enough alone, man. He's ninety three, and he's like coming out for like the first time in forever because of this very reason y'all won't leave well enough alone but what do I know you know just as a minor segue or just an aside I actually had Popeyes for the first time this past week oh really I've never had it before I don't think I've ever had it I have it was chicken <laughs> it was That's what chicken. I felt about Chick Fil A the first time I had it. I was like, "Yeah, here's chicken." Chick Fil A is better than Popeyes. Oh, I, it pro- it might be, but like I was like, people talked about Chick Fil A like it was the greatest place ever, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's fine." It, it's, it's good quality fast food. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, so that's did, fine. Did you get the um the the uh, Chick Fil A competitor sandwich at Popeyes? Oh well. <laughs> So, Ashley just went ahead and was like, you've never had Popeyes? And then just got several things. <laughs> we had a little little smorgasbord of different stuff. Like, you know, there was like whatever, very, however many piece chicken combo mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. and the sandwich and tenders. Uh, the tenders were probably the, the best out of them, I suppose. Huh. But it, their mashed potatoes suck. Huh. And it tastes like they put taco seasoning in the gravy which ain't right. And their mac and cheese wasn't very good either, so. Wow. Stuck. 
shots fired on Popeyes. No, it was okay. It wasn't that good though. It, okay. it, it just felt like fast food to me. Okay. Okay. At least Chick Fil A, you know, it's my pleasure. Yeah. That's right. You want some chicken. Pomeranian sauce with that? <laughs> no. Okay. Spicy chicken sandwich. That's it. I don't need those crappy plastic sauces. That's right. When I worked there, when I worked there in grad school, man, like <clears throat> people always got the like they always got Polynesian sauce wrong. Like whenever they were saying it, like no joke, I got Pomeranian polyester. <laughs> like, can I have some polyester sauce? I mean, sure. Uh, I don't think that would taste very good. <laughs> can I get some of that Pomeranian sauce? It's a little yippy. Yes, sir. Allow me to go sacrifice the next Pomeranian for you. <laughs> so wrong. It's so wrong. It's so wrong. It's so wrong. Well. Well, anyway, while while the commander was over there, you know, just freaking out about how close it is to his big day, I just went to the crew's home opener and watched him win. Little little MLS. There we go. Actually, nice day. All right. All right. That's all. That's all that happened. The rest of the week just is terrible. Hmm. Hmm. So I've been, um, uh, I mean, like Eric is like celebrating, you know, about to, you know, get hitched and everything. David is like celebrating, you know, major league soccer. And I'm over here freaking out about something that's going to be coming up in the very near future. Um, and that is, um, as you guys know, um, I've been doing like this school thing forever, and um, I've finally been given um, the go-ahead to get my um, defense, my dissertation defense scheduled. So that's going to be, um, I think, the Tuesday after your wedding, Eric. So that's what I get to come home to is to prepare for that, and yeah, it's gonna be great. You're gonna crush it. I am a nervous wreck. Like I got like, um, I am in a emo- I've been an emotional roller coaster. Like just thinking about like all the things, and like leading up to it. So I will spare you all details. But it's, yeah. Man, I just love the two of you are all just freaking out, and I'm over here just getting by. All I know, right, David. All right, all right. You're just calm as a hippo. <laughs> Most dangerous animal on earth. That's right. The decimator. <laughs> I feel like I should clip that and like just put it in somewhere. Just <laughs> be like a drop, like moving forward. Like we need to somehow incorporate that into the show as a drop. I don't know. No, no one, no one. It's fine. Oh, fellas, fellas, fellas. Well, I guess with that, uh, if there's nothing nothing else, shall we, uh, you know, hit it and stuff? Talk, track. Let's hit it. Let's hit it. Let's do it. Let's fly. Let's yeah. hit it. Oh, beat me to it. <laughs> Let's <laughs> no, hit it. Go, go, gadget, starship. All right. I love that. All right, everyone. Well, welcome to the show. Um, we are going into spoilerific territory. Red alarm. As we talk about this here episode of Star Trek Picard Season 3, um, Episode 
for no win scenario. You know, something I've noticed is that recently there's just been like a love for the Kobayashi Maru, like incorporating it into titles whenever we get a chance. I mean, we had it with uh, the with Discovery, we had it with Prodigy. Um, this was like last year's, you know, Oscar year, whatever, or last year's, you know, podcast year. And now here we have it afresh with um, this current season of Picard. Just thought I'd make that observation. Good job. Looks like <clears throat> I couldn't tell if Eric, like, turned off, like, his positronic brain for a second there. No, I was just reading something. You can read? I didn't know you could read. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yay, flashbacks. We have so many flashbacks in this one. (laughs) So many flashbacks. Like, do the flashbacks? Every episode has to start with a flashback. That's like this show's thing. It's it's a it's a weird piece of storytelling because you know their flashbacks have all been sort of a part of the in quotations lesson of that show. Kind of. Kind of a bit of a, an interesting choice. It's a bold move. Bold move. Yeah, it's kind I of mean, bold. Just let me eat my lunch, people. Thank like, you. <laughs> come back when I'm done. I'll regale you. Come to my lecture at the academy. We'll hear all about it. But let me eat my lunch. My fish and chips is getting cold. My haddock. My haddock. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right. So, good old flashback. Um, lots of stuff. Um, does that count as like a B or a C story? I mean, what well, the, the the A story is obviously getting out of the nebula. There's the B story is searching for the the, the changeling. I suppose, yeah. And the C yeah. story is the is the flashbacks, which thematically ties in with all the rest of it right more or less story at least yeah i will say though it is i don't know i kind of thought it was sort of funny you have this gaggle of wide-eyed starfleet cadets and or i guess i didn't really see if they had any sort of ensigns on or whatever you know if they had any pips or anything yet but it was just kind of funny you know it's like you're talking to a legend he's sitting down it's like you're you're running into i don't know who's your favorite celebrity and you just happen to walk in on him or something like that at a bar yeah it's just there's there's a little piece of excitement and it's like tom brady tell me about that time that you (laughs) won the super bowl right yeah but but he doesn't he doesn't automatically shut them down he's still kind of the storyteller the you know that he gives the time because one one of the things that you know at least when you're talking about like managing folks if you can't make time for people around you then you're not doing it right you've got to you've got to make that time mm-hmm. and at least in this you know he's he's giving them a little bit of what he wants you know of what they want it's 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 not <sighs> a super deal i just thought it was kind of it's like oh that's kind of cute yeah yeah so I suppose in this uh, in this particular flashback, uh, unless I'm getting my stuff mixed up, um, we, he starts telling this story 
about Herogen. Yeah. yeah. Like, how did the Herogen get to the Alpha Quadrant? Alpha Quadrant. Because, like, I mean, if that if Janeway were, were telling that story, yeah, that would make total sense. Mm-hmm. But, like, these are, like, the lost years, right? Like, between Nemesis and Picard Season 1, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, how did, I mean, how did the Herogen get from wherever they were in the Delta Quadrant to the Alpha Quadrant? I mean, unless, like, the... Enterprise E or the Verity. No, I mean, it was Enterprise. It was the Enterprise. Unless the Enterprise just somehow, for whatever reason, went to the Delta Quadrant. You know? Maybe it has something to do with the Protostar. Hmm. 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 And our choir, our um, quantum slipstream that, that Janeway ship now has. Good old quantum slipstream. I love a good slipstream. <clears throat> I love a good slip and slide, by the way, too. Where it like, kind of burns your belly as you kind of like, you know, slide on the... No. Anyway, I, the whole point of this story, <laughs> right? No matter how bleak things seem, no matter how unwinnable the situation, as long as you've got your crew with you, you're never without hope. Yep. And Sounds about boom, right. roll credits, right? No, not roll credits. No. <laughs> no. Because we don't roll credits early in these shows anymore. No, it's like, how long can we push this before we are contractually obligated to roll the credits? So, yeah, we're we're picking up like where we left off, like you're you've killed us all. Blah. And just the ship's falling, where you're we've lost a all the power stuff we're running on minimal everything trying to get answers on how the heck to get out of this if we can't get out of this we don't really have any backup anything so it's just a matter of like wait and see and while we're taking some precautions to you know have the crew gather here and there it's just a waiting game and um, I know <clears throat> we had the conversation last time about like Riker can't talk to Picard like that can't happen and then he goes and talks to Picard and basically like I'm sorry like having like a Riker version of I'm sorry for how that went down and basically saying you're right like the stuff with my son like is still kind of messing with me and it is it's basically affecting the way that I'm commanding too I gotta say this is like a classic example of why scores can change at the end of a season when you look back at it as a whole because while that was like like just a super weird thing to say on the bridge of your ship at the end of the show I will say that this episode explained to me it helped explain a lot more of the mindset and while it still doesn't make it okay it makes it far more relatable which is why this sort of thing would have been a one episode deal or a or an arc <laughs> instead of four episodes <laughs> we really love this four episode thing and it's, I don't. it's 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 like stretching a little too much you know 
Yeah. <clears throat> no, I I I really love this. This is like Jonathan Frakes at his best in this role. Like he was he was, and like for him to direct him be directing this episode and deliver this kind of performance right here, this is like this is like amazing. I I, I really I really appreciated this, and I know he didn't write it, but like the way he delivers that, like this infinite hole in the ground, right? And he's. He's been across all space, but he doesn't believe in an afterlife, so his son is just gone, right? And and like he couldn't feel anything for his son anymore, right? But but obviously Deanna Troy is an empath, feels everything, and it just caused this divide between them. Like that's like really deep stuff right there. I love that they're talking about it. Yeah. This isn't typically something that's talked about in in this universe much, if at all. And the, the, the whole thing is, is that if you think about it, you've progressed to a point scientifically where the universe is open to you. You know, mm-hmm. right now we're at a point where the universe is closed. We we don't have uh, and i'm sorry elon musk but we don't necessarily have the whole plan together and even to go to another planet in our solar system let alone go past our solar system it's so our scope is bound by what we know now they know a hell of a lot more and that sort of dichotomy between you know, believing in something after. I mean, I would imagine that there's probably a lot of atheists or agnostics or atheists in this particular time frame because they're not necessarily seeing the greater beyond, so to speak. You know what I mean? Right. I love that they talked about this. It was it was pretty fantastic. Yeah, that it's only um, it's you know, just six feet in the ground right there. But that, like, that six feet was way more infinite than the whole of space that they've explored. Yeah. Man. It's a a tough transition out of that. But even, like, before we get to that scene, it's Riker on the bridge again. He's, like, he's, he's, and this is where, like, he's, I I don't want to bag on Discovery, right? But... We're here. We're on the bridge. We have our captain. He's like, all right, I want to hear from science. I want to hear from tactical. I want to hear from helm. I want to hear from operations. Right? And he's, like, getting information from all of his bridge officers. What if we do this? Ah, we can't, like, that's not going to work because of this. Well, you give me an option over here. And he's 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 not the one who's coming up with all the ideas and he's got the perfect idea right away. He's listening to his, his staff like he should be doing and they're giving him recommendations. And he's like, sir, that, that bio, that bio wave hit us. We can't keep our shields up. We've got to, we've got to lower them down. All right. Well, divert power away from there. And you know, what can we do over here with and divert power from there? And it's it's so just refreshing to see that on the I know we saw that with Pike as well, but mm-hmm. I just I love seeing and and he is a captain. That's where he was meant to be. Right. This was the thing that um, I remember there being interviews um, prior to this season coming out, where our showrunner Terry 
Terry Metalis was saying, like, you're go- we're going to see a <clears throat> a side of Riker, or we're going to see a Riker that we've always wanted to see, but we've never been able to. And I think this is what we're talking about, like, this being Riker the captain. Like, we get to see, like, truly, in earnest, Riker's command style. I mean, we saw, like, you know, snippets of it, you know, in Next Gen, and maybe you know, bits and pieces of the movies, but nothing like what we're seeing on full display right now. Which yeah. I, I, I love. Like, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. I mean, y'all know I'm a big Riker fan, obviously. But, like, actually being able to see him, like, as an actual four-pip and not just, like, a Zhang Hei, like, talking down, like, a treacherous Tal Shiar person or anything like that. Like, this is full-on captain mode, and it's it's great to see. So, part of like this, you know, like with this dire situation that we're dealing with, you know, like we have, you know, a couple hours at best, several hours at best uh, before we're just going to die, basically, like with everything just failing and us being in the vacuum of space. And with Riker saying what he said to Picard about like his own son. And like this grave thing and, you know, how he is and how it's changed him. Um, We get the whole like sending Picard off and encouraging him to like learn something, to do something with Jack. And to take advantage of what little time is left to try and invest something, get something out of it. Because Riker so desperately wishes he could still have any opportunity to do that with his own son. Yep. Yeah. And what better place to do that, Chase, than a bar? <clears throat> In a on the holodeck of a ship that's, you know, <laughs> losing like, power. It's got its own power it's source. It's got okay. its own battery. Power source. When they, when they walked into that okay. holodeck, I was like, what the hell is the... If main power is going out and your ship is dead in the water the hell is your holodeck doing working and they try to give it some explanation well it runs on some emergency isolated power circuit because in times of need or in times of desperation your crew needs to have a little bit of levity no divert that power to life support (laughs) see and that that's that yeah that's such a such a departure because like you have uh what was it the booby trap i think the episode was called that jordy was using the holodeck uh you know to effectively try and find a solution out of that problem they kept telling him it's like you only got so much time and even on voyager you know they had rationed rationed mm-hmm. time it, it and then even towards the end not to get too far ahead but like trying to get thruster power right you know you're down we've got 98 percent. we need 100 percent. hey i know a little little isolated power source you know down in hollow deck one man we could just go ahead and patch that battery right in <laughs> it just it, it just sort of seemed like an ultra convenient table set for what they wanted to do between picard and jack now i like what they did with picard and jack but it's like you've been so realistic here like let's keep the realism going a little bit mm-hmm no, it's isolated power. We started doing this years ago. Get out of here, man. <laughs> I mean, just shut the front door. What are you talking about? Admiral's prerogative. 
Oh, man. Yeah, we, we, we brought some spare batteries for the holodeck. It's great. It's great. So that's where all the D batteries went. Got it. <laughs> you mean the fat ones? The fat yeah, little batteries? That's right. The fat cylinders. Goodness. Yeah, so we started to have this this heart-to-heart of sorts, like, about, did you ever go here? Or, you know, I appreciate you trying to do this, but this doesn't mean anything to me. Well, it means something to me, dang it. That's why we're doing it. Um, swapping stories, you know, trying to have some kind of common ground with one another. And it's it's trying at best, you know, at this point in the, in the episode. And, um, I mean, we go, we bounce back and forth like with the bar here and the bar like five years ago. So there's a lot of bar in this episode, guys, like a lot of bar and some product placement. He pulled Jameson. Well, first of all, he said, just give me the cheapest, crappiest stuff you got. Oh yeah. Jameson. That's pretty crappy. (laughs) Whatever happened to Synthahol, right? I thought that's what we drank in this future. I think it would have been more appropriate, like to. It, it's, it's, green, <laughs> you know, just something, <laughs> something like that. If you really want to pop in all these references and Easter eggs, at least do it right. Or just crack open a Coors banquet, you know, and just call it a day. Crack open a Coors banquet. Set the table for the banquet. Mm-hmm. No. No giggles from Eric on that one. It's fine. No, <laughs> I did. I did like the conversation though that they had between each other, swapping stories. Mm-hmm. You know, it's obvious that, that that Jack sort of has a a facade he puts on, but at the end of the day, you know, he is the one who kind of opens up this this storytelling, and I mean, like throughout history. How do we communicate? Like, how were early communications? You know, they were stories passed on and passed on. Mm-hmm. Um, and they even bring that up with one of the flashbacks. They talk about the Darmok episode. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so we're let's talk about his encounter with the Temerians and the passing on stories. Yeah. So, like, I get they're thematically the flashbacks are fitting with our conversations. It's just a strange storytelling technique. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So along the way, um, so like kind of cutting back and forth between all this, you know, like we, we, we know that there's a, a, a changeling that's, that's wreaking some havoc and, um, uh, seven ends up talking to Riker about this. I hope I'm not jumping too far ahead. No, she's just talking to Captain Shaw about this. Shaw, yeah. I thought she talked to Riker and also she, Shaw about she this. Went, she went to Shaw first. And, you know, the whole thing. It's like, can I speak I'm sorry, if there was better lighting, maybe I would be able to, get, yeah. you know, keep the, <laughs> yeah. the mustached well, goatee we have people no, straight. We have no power for lights. Yeah. It's like, can I speak to you officially? No. Unofficially? No. no. Look, can I can I just point out two things that I didn't like about this episode? Yes. About the changeling stuff. One, I don't like that they're not copper-colored metallic puddles anymore. I don't like the stringy, fleshy stuff. I just don't. Also, 
Are we now saying that every changeling carries around the same pot? That might have been the absolute. <clears throat> it's so small, but it's stuck in my head. And it's like, you're telling me that you brought your own specific changeling pot with you? Like you can't find another vessel to just chill in? Nope, I have to have my sentimental pot and I gotta put it behind was the it, light. You'll never find it. Wasn't, so like that particular pot that Odo used, right? Like that's what he was found in, um, in like no. an asteroid belt, wasn't it? No, no it wasn't. Odo just found that pot on D-Space 9. He didn't bring that with him. That wasn't what he was found in. But here's the thing, here's the thing. <clears throat> Odo, like they're like, Captain Shaw's like, changelings can't hold their form for, for a long time. And that was one of the things last week, right? Mm -hmm. how they were interrogating Worf and Rafi were interrogating this changeling they can't he couldn't hold his form but like that's not that to me like as the resident deep space nine expert here right that's not exactly how I understand the changelings that's how I understood Odo because Odo was not an experienced changeling because he kept himself in human form most of the time and didn't try to do other things. And so because he wasn't an experienced changeling, he couldn't hold his form for very long, and that's why he had to return to his pot. But other more experienced changelings had no problem maintaining their forms for very long. And and at the end of Deep Space Nine, as Odo was like experimenting more with changing into other forms he didn't sleep in his pot anymore yep. he just did fell into some form in his room so like i get the pot they're trying to be like hey this is a nice nod to renee aubergeois right like they did last week too but i don't this doesn't fit for me this doesn't track no. with with my understanding of the changelings founders so speaking of the pot and, and and David, I I prefer the copper the copper puddle to this fleshy goo stuff. It's so much better. <laughs> Trying to think what it reminded me of. Like there was like a horror movie or a show that kind of had like a similar looking thing to it. I'm trying to think what it was. It's fine though. Um. So did any like whenever like they were talking about like Rezagoo and like you know the need for a pot like are you referring to uh cannabis i hated like, did, that line by the did way did that take you out of it <laughs> that yeah that took me way out of it and shaw's like unfortunately no like <laughs> that's when you kick in magic carpet ride <laughs> <laughs> no it was it was dumb. It was that that was such a that was such a weird weird kind of choice of language in that That must be that must be Rafi like rubbing off on on 7. Yeah. I'm just the thing that uh, I don't want to bring this to a screeching halt, but I might do it. Um I'm just having issues guys with like <coughs> You know the overuse of um, colorful language and metaphors and like substances. You know, well, we, like, we got an F bomb from Picard. Boy, didn't we? Yeah. 
yeah, I don't think that worked, right? I don't think it worked like Admiral Clancy in season one, right? I mean, I'm more okay with Admiral Clancy saying it than I am Picard or Riker or Worf or anyone. Like it may yeah. I, like like we've known these characters for thirty years, and granted, like it was like network television, so you kind of like had to adhere to like certain standards. But still, thirty plus years with these characters, and it just seems like out of character—not just the character, but their character. You know what I'm saying? Like the like one's character like integrity whatever like the 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 stuff that they are it just seemed not like them at all clancy i don't know about it wasn't double take yeah so i mean i know we're, we're gonna be jumping around a little bit but you know find you find the goo you find your saboteur so you find that you scan that you upload it and boom you're off the races type of thing and, um, My question is, how does Shaw know so much about these changelings? Was he, like, did he have a prominent role in the Dominion War? It's possible. Fighting on a ship? Can we, I mean, we got some Shaw backstory here in this episode. Yeah. So, one thing I wanted to just kind of pull in here. I have zero idea how... <laughs> he ever became a starship captain how he ever became a starship captain that is somebody who is in my opinion not near stable enough not near stable enough and i and i'm gonna bring in something because like i you know we saw this with um well with last season of picard Look, you want to go at ice, you want to do all this stuff, okay, fine. But let me put this out here. People in authority positions that are unstable, like, what are we talking about today? Potentially police abusing power. We've seen that. Like, I have opinions on that. I think everybody does. Why in the heck would you put this guy who is clearly, clearly traumatized? This is somebody who should be taking care of his mental health, not put in situations that will strain that. I don't care if you're a support vessel, a science vessel, little California class going off and doing little tiny missions. You are responsible for all the people on that ship and that is a guy that, for me, snapped. He snapped in this episode in front of his crew. Mm-hmm. That's not a guy who can hold it together. And I actually like the character. I, I, I like the character. But just from a, a purely realistic standpoint, how he ever ascended to that is... That's interesting to me. No, I, I, I'm not excusing this, but he did get injured and he did say he's on painkillers, which let's, I'm, that's not an excuse, but they they can alter your your mental state and your your, your thinking. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I could totally see that, but I would also just slight counter. We don't have a common cold, and I've actually just been watching season one of Next Gen. A headache is super odd in this universe. So you're taking painkillers in this universe? I mean, he had internal bleeding, right? I don't know. And man. his leg is in a cast. Yeah, that was another that, thing. His leg weird. is in a cast. That's well, weird. Because he got, like, flown forward. I'm just he... saying, has not, has medical science. We we <laughs> gave Warp a new spine. I know. Okay? Right. I mean, we're talking, like, like, I remember, like, episodes where, like, there'd be, like, these deep, like, scratches and contusions. And, like, they just, like, you know, put, like, a little prop over it. And then, boom, like, five seconds later, you're good. Right? Like, you put, you, like, lay down on the table you press some buttons, beep, boop, beep, boop, and you're, you're, you know, you have to stay in, in sick bay for observation for 24 hours, but you're good. You're watching ESPN and having a great time. <laughs> but, but I will say again, I do, I like that they put this character in here because I do think that we're still very much in a day and age where we refuse, we absolutely still refuse to deal with our major traumas. You don't have to tell me that. I know I don't have to tell you at all. But but a guy in that position, that's it's kind of scary to be in with that much responsibility. It's it's a little frightening. You, you know, David, you're bringing up a good point and um you know, say what we want about about the movie. I I particularly enjoyed enjoyed it, but like Star Trek 2009, you know, like the whole like part of like the plot is getting Kirk into the center seat and part of that is like the whole um, you have to emotionally compromise me. I have to emotionally compromise a Vulcan? Like this is old Spock telling young Kirk to do this to young Spock. So I realize it's a parallel alternate universe, right? Like the movies and stuff, but wouldn't that be like a standard like Starfleet kind of thing like I, I mean I, I know that Shaw's not like actively in command he transferred his command codes and stuff to Riker but that's that's something that comes to mind like you know you are emotionally compromised you are you should be relieved of everything right now like why aren't you in your quarters yeah hmm. but his backstory is it's pretty freaking tragic, though. He was yeah. at Wolf 359. He has survivor's guilt because he was randomly pointed to by a lieutenant to go into the last remaining escape shuttle. Like, that that's a guy who does not know why he's here, which, in a way, is a parallel with Riker, sort of, as mm -hmm. well. Riker's dealing with loss, but also where he fits. This guy's also dealing with the same fit. Yeah. Yeah, when he starts telling the story, he's like, hey, do you remember the first time we met at Wolf 359? That's, I mean, there's a lot of the parallels of, like, Cisco's encounter, right? You know, Cisco, we've met before in battle. I was on the Saratoga at Wolf 359, right? And then now here we have Captain Shaw saying the same thing. But, yeah, yeah, it's definitely survivor's guilt like she the lieutenant comes down and starts pointing you, you 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 and then she points at me lucky number 10 what did i do i'm 
just some dipshit from Chicago, which I didn't mind that line there because I thought it really fit, right? That type and of it fits his there. character. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then, but then he goes on, he says, <clears throat> he's like, forget all that weird shit going over there on with the stargazer and everything. So I thought they were just going to drop that storyline from last season and we're never hear about it again, but nope, that's <laughs> still happening over there. So that's, that's good to see. Right. He's like the real Borg are still out there. Right. <clears throat> and while the world was burning and 10,000 people were dead, the only Borg they ever gave a name to is sitting right here in front of me. And like that goes to explain some of like his hostility. I don't know if he was hostile, but maybe oh, some yeah. of you talked to me. You mentioned it as like disrespect or lack of respect that he showed Picard in in episode one. And, and we're explaining that. And did it need to take four episodes to explain all that? No. We Could we have done this in two episodes? Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but it, it makes more sense now, those scenes. Yeah. And that's I mean, that happens when you get the serialized story. I mean, yeah. even with, with Seven as well, you know, like with how... <clears throat> um, he, just, he, he wants to call her Commander Hansen. Right, instead of Seven. I mean, like that's just... Like, I mean, you've got two XBs on your ship. Yep. Basically. Both of yeah. them in leadership positions. One above you and one being your direct subordinate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I will say, though, it does kind of make me think a little bit because he didn't immediately just drum seven out because you got to think about it. He could have he could have drummed her out. He could have found any excuse. But he I don't know how long either, like how long she's been on the ship with him, but any length of time maybe that's part of his sort of reconciliation maybe Hmm. while he still hates the Borg in a small way maybe subconsciously he's still trying to do the right thing perhaps in that relationship aspect but you can only push so far and she's probably on a much shorter leash than anybody else would be right Mm -hmm. I mean like based on the information we have I mean there's been a year like within the story that's taken place, I believe, uh, between season two and, and season three. So, I mean, we knew like that she was like an acting something, acting captain, acting officer, whatever, at the end of last season. So maybe, you know, maybe, you know, there's a couple weeks, maybe there's a month or two, you know, that kind of, there's like some layover or whatever. So, I mean, we're talking like maybe 10, 11 months that she's like been like fully commissioned, perhaps maybe six months. I don't know. And like doing all this like stuff with a Titan now. So, yeah, not that long in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And and like Chase, you mentioned this last week. And and when all this talk about the board here, right, even in like episode one, when we're opening up on on Dr. Crusher's ship. We hear, we hear, I am the cutest of Borg. We hear something about that. And now here we're talking about the Borg and Captain Shaw has this history of the Borg. And, and we've been speculating I didn't about who is Vatic, right? Who, who is she? Like, what's, what's her, what's her deal? And, uh, and Chase, you came up with, oh, you think she's XB, right? Because there were some things you were seeing 
facially and talking about marked right and mm-hmm. and out as we're li- as okay all right this is starting to make sense right maybe maybe that's right but like obviously it's not we'll, we'll get to there but like i feel like somehow the borg have to play a role in this story other than just talking about past trauma because mm-hmm. we've we've mentioned it too much mm-hmm. for it to just be backstory mm-hmm. and character but as we're on that, Captain Vatic, right? We have a nice jump over to her ship. Like, who is she? What is she doing? Why does she care about Jack and potentially Picard? And we get some kind of answer here. It's it's something. It's I don't know if it's an answer, but it's it's some information. It's something. Yeah, she's sitting there in her big old spinny chair, and. Um decides to go on like a little little walkie walk and um, cut her hand off and talk to it apparently yeah and it turns into like goo and it like like a floating head that's another entity yeah so yeah um, I have questions slash speculation on this which might I don't know make it worse I don't know I'm not convinced that she's a changeling. I'm just not convinced. I'm not either, but I've read several reviews that, like, it's revealed that she's a changeling. And if you go to Memory Alpha, her page on Memory Alpha literally says, Vatic, it says, says, Vatic was a changeling, not Vatic is a changeling. How's that work? That's what it says right on the Memory Alpha page. Vatic was a changeling who was the captain of a ship called the Shrike. It's all in past tense. Have they already spoiled stuff for us? Well, could they have just done like a like an Odo, taken away her shape-shifting ability? She's sort of human. Yeah, but then how does she cut off her hand? So this is They just gave her a hand. The hand was the only thing that they could do. It's like, you can communicate. We're giving you a cell phone. No more. (laughs) (laughs) We're giving you the cell phone, the keys, the car, but we do have GPS on that, and we will find you. And there are parental locks on it. (laughs) (laughs) No calling your friends, just us. Oh, my gosh. You have limited minutes on that thing, too, pal. So I, per- I, I personally think that Vatic is a Romulan XB. That's that's where I'm going with it. I think she's a Romulan XB, and that part of her being an ex-Borg, like she lost her hand, and maybe like some changeling from like the the terrorist cell that's got something to do with something was like, hey, I want let me hitch a ride with you. Let's go take over the universe. And we can rule it as father and daughter or something like that and um like you know what i'll i will be your left hand right i will be your left hand the left hand of darkness yes so the changeling takes the shape of a hand of a gloved hand i know that that sounds like way ridiculous saying it out loud but that's (laughs) that's 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 where i'm at what one thing i i also do want to say about about her so 
they had basically they in, incapacitated our ship here. We're going down towards the gravity well. All bad. I'm not gonna chase. You will. I'm not gonna do it. You have to. Kind of seems like she isn't really following a plan. Like she went there initially trying to get Jack, but she's kind of like, no, they're, they're, they're dead. It's fine. I don't want it anymore. So I think that there will be a point here where she either kind of attempts to maybe change sides a little bit or like there's some emotional struggle there. Like we're going to try and humanize this character in some form or fashion. Because if she was all in for the cause of getting Jack, she would have just done it. But well, instead, then, she was just going to let him die. Well, and then we also have like this awkward thing, too. It's like, if you want to get him, you got to get rid of that there gun of yours. So you can be a little bit more nimble. So, like, we've, we've made this big old, like, uh, it's, it's basically like a deus ex machina kind of thing, right? Like this portal weapon. We made it this this thing for like two episodes of four, three, whatever. And now it's like, just throw it away into the vacuum of space. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. You just got you just got to zip around some more so you can get the get the guy. You know, I am your left hand. You need to do what I say. Yeah, it did seem kind of strange. Like, if she was after Jack, then she would just let him go and die. Like, yeah, okay. But, I mean, like, what we... Well, I mean, the, part of the conversation that was going on, even with with Shaw, was changelings were on the, on the Titan beforehand. Before any of this, like, Beverly Crusher, Jack Crusher stuff led to them actually being on the Titan. So are they after like there's a changeling like thing on the Shrike and there's a changeling thing on the Titan. I mean like if they're butthurt about about like the Dominion War, okay, that's one thing, but like how does this connect? Like we're about halfway through the season and this makes no sense like I would hope I would see something some hint that I could connect the dots or start to connect the dots yeah Figured because episode nine. no yeah well episode eight will be an exposition dump is my guess <laughs> episode eight I mean but I anyway anyway yeah it's like <clears throat> the, the changeling was on the Titan but they had no idea the Titan was going off to this to this place to meet J Jack, right? So he was obviously this changeling had a different mission. Yeah. And is this changeling now in communication with the Shrike? Does he, when he saw the Shrike, did he know, oh, I recognize Vatic from somewhere? Hey, I guys, here, here's a theory. It's all a part of the old temporal cold war and it's all just like a time guy that was Eric groaning for anyone that was wondering 
I knew where to place you because I am from the future. <laughs> you know, the thing that I'm... I'm Shadow Man. <laughs> Shadow Man. Do you think Shadow Man is is, is left-hand person? Is the yeah. left-hand person? <laughs> what? <sighs> anyway, can we get to the Star Trek-y part of this episode finally? Please. Right? The Star <laughs> Trek-y it. part? We got these these pulses, right? That are these bioelectrical pulses that are coming, and Beverly is timing them, and they're they're coming. She can predict the exact time, like contractions, and she's like, "Something's going on here. Gotta find gotta find Jean Luc and tell him." And I actually like this. It's like we have a a science officer, you know, medical science, who is paying attention, making observations to what's going on and coming up with a theory and saying, oh, I've got an idea and something bad's going to happen, but we can use this to our advantage through science and engineering and let's get our way out of this problem. It's your booby trap, right? It's any one of those types of problems. Mm-hmm. And it's I did, I did Star just Trek. want to say push once. Push. Yeah. Push. Push. Okay, breathe. breathe Keep pushing. Breathe. breathe. <laughs> anyway, they come up with this Goodness. idea. We're going to ride the shockwaves out of here. And they bring it to the observation lounge. Yeah. And, I mean, we're not all sitting, but we're in the observation lounge. And we've got, we've got displays and simulations on the monitor. And we're all talking to the captain and we're giving him his ideas. And, he, you know, Riker's pushing back because he says, hey, something could go wrong. And, you know, we're, we should just wait for them to find us. And no one's coming to find us. But, hey, it's better to try to leave something behind than, than die in this. And then, you know, they're talking it through. They're working through a problem. Hey, problem solving as a team. Who would think? Deanna would say to trust. I'm not. I'm let's, not trying to be funny. I know. Let's I, do what we've all spent a lifetime learning to do. Yeah. Trust each other. And work together. And do and just be the best at what we're at. Uh huh. And Good apprehensively, stuff. apprehensively, he's like. Let's go to work. Let's do it, gang. Yeah, but it's like the whole the whole bridge crew, the whole command staff is coming up with it's not one person coming up with an idea. Right. It's right. it's groupthink. And then Riker's like, I've got an idea too. We gotta open up the nacelle covers so we can draw in more energy. Right? To to really make this plan work. Because the energy oh. coming into the nacelles can be pumped and routed into the warp core. So we don't have to just get out on impulse. Right. You know what would have made it even better, guys? If just one of the the existing bridge crew crew just started telling a story about themselves. Like, maybe how they parasail. I think that would have been really good. See, you don't have to do that crap. Seriously, you don't have to do that in order to (laughs) To, to, to make us involved in, in these characters. The thing is, is because these, this bridge crew, who I don't know, 
but because they were all giving suggestions, they were doing their job, and they all seemed very competent, that makes me want to know more about them. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. this were a show, like any of the other Star Trek series, that is what would happen throughout the season mm-hmm. because you could highlight them. You don't have to drag in and just start doing an exposition dump about how you parasailed once. You don't have to do that. This was like actually using everyone in that room mm-hmm. really, yeah, and, really well. And then we even used Captain Shaw. We knew we know he was an engineer. He was chief engineer of starships before. Right. Or that's how he worked his way up the command structure. And hey, can you help us, you know, what he, did he say Jerry Ray? He didn't say Jerry Ray. Hotwire. Hot Hotwire. Yeah. Hotwire these nacelles because none of these yeah. young kids know how to do it. it so we got like it was the, much in the way everybody. of hotwiring. Just pull Deba- it apart. Debatable. Isn't yeah. there a chief engineer on this ship? Or are we just rotating them like in season one of Next Gen? It's just in my mind because I've been rewatching it. So, hey, there was a there was a chief engineer. It was uh, it was Argyle. Yeah, and then in a different episode, there was another one. Yeah, it was mainly Argyle and his glorious beard, by the way. But yeah, so like we get Shaw, who's like, "Give me five minutes, I'll be fine, be fine." And yeah, like the plan is afoot. We're doing the thing. And, uh, you know, I love, like, Riker, like, in him addressing the crew, like, and, like, the, the standout point that he's making um, in, in addressing the, the whole ship is, like, um, you know, you don't know much about me, but I know about you, uh, among other things. And going on to say, like, I'm only as good as the rest of you, basically, and, like, what you bring to the table and I really liked that. I mean, I just, I really liked how he addressed the ship saying like, we're going to try this out. We're going to see what happens and hopefully we're going to get the heck out of here. And, um, at the very end, like we're, I mean, it's jumping around a bit, but like, you know, eventually we have to like take life support off and we see what happens a little bit later. But, um, in the process of putting all these things together, he's announcing we're going to open the nacelles to try and recharge some things so we can get out of the nebula. And our saboteur hears that and tries to stop that along the way, by the way. Yeah, after we hear after we hear Shaw and Seven who are working on the cell, like, now would be the perfect time for the changeling to come in and, and stop, which, it, you know, I, I feel like a captain and the first officer could figure that out. It doesn't seem too on point. And then we hear like half, we don't even hear half the conversation. We just hear like the beginning of it. Oh, Shaw to Riker. And then Riker's like, okay, I got it. Right. So we're like, they hide that conversation from us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, the only way we know that this person is a changeling is because of how they address someone. They so get we, little details wrong. Yeah, they yeah. get tiny little details wrong. So it's, it's the changeling as Ensign LaForge um, talking um, to Seven and and saying all this stuff like give me give me the torch apprehensively giving the torch what's my name say my name 
think. Commander. Commander what? Commander Hansen. Boom! See you never. How'd you know? He calls me Commander Seven. Out of respect. Yeah, since when could, like, we can't kill changelings just by shooting them with one phaser blast, right? Or can Well, we, you? we also shot it, like, three times in the hallway, too, so, yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey, just one. Just one shot at a convenient time. Hey, Eric, we're, we're dealing with Zat Nicotel, you know, ah, rules okay. of shooting. Second shot, right? Yeah. Right. That's what we're dealing with now. Okay, all right. One shot stuns. Two shots kill. Three <coughs> shots disintegrate. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. So we um, we're we're hot wiring it right, like we're pulling the fiber optics apart from each other, and boom, there are there are the the nacelles. Like, let's let's fly, right? Let's do the thing. Let's we take down life support and. Um, Beverly is still counting things, right? She's still tracking all the things. Like, okay, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. There it is. And then we... Now we have to, like... Uh, we're, we're all on the bridge. We're all having a good time. We have to, like, visually call out how to navigate this, like, asteroid field that just kind of came out of nowhere in this nebula. And um, long story short, we do it. Well, we have Picard. And Picard. Take command. Yeah, that there's my little, minor little detail. Mm-hmm. Just like he did in Booby Trap, yeah. right? He took the he took the helm. I don't know if I really understood why he did that. Like, when here or then? Here. Because Chase, he <laughs> told a story about inching through space blind, and because we have to interconnect all of our stories, oh, that's we're why. we're flying okay. blind. Okay. Well, okay, on, there's that okay. reason. You want to know the real reason? Because the plot demands it. Because the show is called Star Trek Picard. <laughs> it's not <laughs> called Star Trek Riker. Although I'd watch the hell out of that show. Darn right. <laughs> Look. Papa Pizza Riker, come on now. It can be like Cheers in space, right? Like pizza every episode. No, no one. Anyway, we get out of this, but Fine. the nebula is starting to dissipate, and right in front of us, there's the Shrike. And so, so let's go just bowling. like the Shrike threw a ship at us earlier, we're going to throw an asteroid at them. Heck yeah. Did you just throw an asteroid at them? Heck yeah, I did. <laughs> take some of your own medicine, Vatic. It's going to take an hour to recharge. Dang it. Yeah. And they get out and stuff. And there's this lovely little admiral's log, which... Is basically what Eric said just a minute ago. Like, who is Vatic? What do they want with Jack? We're wondering that too. How many more episodes is it going to take before we find out? 
Uh, oh, but I think you missed something with the little the I nebula. Did. Was the little stellar nursery that turned into little encounter at Farpoint creatures, mm-hmm. probably. Because mm-hmm. they mentioned Farpoint when they were talking about this. So who knows if they actually are, but they're little jellyfish looking. Th- I mean, ha- what's up with our je- wanting everybody to look like jellyfish? Because didn't we refer to species 10C as jellyfish? Didn't you, Chase? Or did you call them squids? Or what did you call them? Little floating squid people things. You called them. So we'll have to go back and listen to the logs. Okay. Figure out what well, you Well, you know, them. there's another universe that's already taken space whales out, so you can't do space whales. Mm-hmm. You do other yeah, aquatic you creatures, do just space, not whales. Space actually, squids. Yeah, I think I did call Species 10C a bunch of jellyfish or squids or something. Jelly squids. Yeah. And Bet and Crusher, Beverly, Dr. Crusher, she's like, to seek out new life. Thank you. Thank you, Beverly. Let's boldly get the hell out of here. That's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, we don't we don't have we we don't have time to read the opening monologue, Beverly. <laughs> we ain't got time for sentimentality, y'all. We've just spent four episodes here. I mean, have y'all thought about this? Like, seriously, have you thought about, like, how much time has actually elapsed? Like, with all this. I mean, there's so much stuff that's got to happen, right? Somehow we've got to connect the Rafi and Worf story, which I'm glad we didn't see in this episode because that would have totally just taken away from it. We've got to connect that to what's going on here because obviously they're connected with the changelings and the portal device. Somehow we've got to figure out who Vatic is, who's pulling Vatic strings. We've got to bring in lore somehow. How does lore fit? It? It's like nothing about this would lead me to think lore would have any involvement, but somehow that's got to happen. Moriarty, right? Somehow that's got to happen. Nothing about me would ever make me think so. Like, there's so much stuff that needs to happen, and we just spent four episodes out of ten doing this no well think about this too right like it's episode one it's the end of episode one where we get to the elias right and like jack's there and beverly is in her little like sarcophagus trying to heal it's episode two when we get to like finally see some of that happening so this has been a, just a mere few hours inside the show. Like, this has been like, what, four, like, let's just call it six hours, just for the heck of it. Like, let's just be a little yeah. gracious. Six hours. Four episodes. Like, this, like I think this was like my 24. same complaint. This was like my same complaint with season two of Picard and dealing with like the ice thing. And like in the LA thing, it's a it's the same complaint with all the show modern show. I mean, aside from um, Strange New Worlds, perhaps, but like this is what they do now. This this is what they do. They have a grand idea. They spend four episodes muddling along. We all think it's going some great place, and then I hate to say it, but it usually winds up being somewhat disappointing at the end. I just want to like know: the, Are we going to get any? 
Are we going to get like any Pat Benatar or Cindy Lauper or anything like that in this in this season? Well, I think there is a, um, there might be an opportunity for that, you know, with how this, this episode ends. So, like, we get our final flashback, final flashback at the bar, um, like, okay, guys, for real, can I, can I eat now? Like, can I, can I have my lunch now? Like, it's cold. Like, for real. Aye! Aye, governor! Um, so, do you ever have any family? Ever think about it? I don't need any family. Starfleet is my family. Well, boo, frickity hoo, I'm out of here. And then it might be, it might be a little over sentimental of me, but I, I actually like the fact that Jack went out and actually did search for his father. Mm-hmm. He got the wrong answer at the wrong time. I like the fact that he went out and tried, because the whole, yeah. the whole thing was, Jack never went to find you. But he did. And he was disappointed by what he saw. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, to be fair to Picard, like, how would he... I mean, he had no way of knowing that he had, he had a no son. no way of suspecting. Or Yeah, even suspecting that he had yeah. a son. And, I mean, like... I mean... Males can... Um, get females pregnant regardless of their age so like it is completely physically possible for him to do it there's no way that he could have thought even with the advances of the time that he got Beverly or anyone at that time pregnant that we know of so anyway but with with the episode ending and Picard, you know, and everyone like on the bridge of the Titan celebrating and like, yay, we did it. Um, we get this final little moment where he's getting, where Jack is getting cleaned up and get some more upside down vibes with like yeah, red we, clouds and red doors and we kind stuff of just like glossed over that last week, but maybe we shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. We like last week we had like him, like, having like a dream sequence of like, like a hallucin hallucination because he was in yeah. toxic to- toxic gas and seven was like standing over him with like red vines and not the licorice like red creepy vines <clears throat> and this time it's like the upside down looking stuff with a bunch and of red even stuff like a voice in it this time yeah right find me who find who Is he a changeling? Yeah, that'd be a trick. I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out in four weeks. What? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) It's like, what? Did I miss something? We're not having another new episode for four weeks? (laughs) Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot, we're so scared. That was the joke. <laughs> and it just did. <laughs> yeah, because I'm. You're the scholar now. That's right. Look at me. <laughs> Look I'm at... the scholar now. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, that's that's it for the episode. That's it. 
we have nothing else to talk about. <sighs> okay. Well, I think I know how the Delta's going to go, but I'm just going to say it anyway, just because. So let's move into the evaluation portion. Let's talk about the Delta and how well the different divisions were represented on screen. I think we've already talked about this, but let's do it anyway. David, what do you think, man? Yeah, how, how well do you think the divisions were represented for the Delta this week? Um, well, so for, for command, I mean, I think that one of the things that stands out to me is more of Picard's patience than anything else. Now, Riker, obviously in several sequences, he's He's going out to his bridge crew. He's trying to find the solutions, but he's still playing it very safe because of his own personal struggle, mm -hmm. which Picard called out in the last episode, and he acknowledged that with Picard at the beginning of this episode. Mm -hmm. But even when we're going into this, this briefing to suggest the idea that Crusher and then even Jack helped out on, the, the patience that Picard showed to keep kind of continually driving towards. It's like, you know this is right, I know it's right, but you need some patience here to get there in your own time. That I actually think was really, really nice to see because like I think Picard in, in terms of you know command has, has taken a lot of the back seat because he really hasn't taken the center seat. Mm. Um, I also think you could point to the very end where, albeit a bit cheesy and maybe a little bit of a callback to Booby Trap, giving Picard the center chair to, to kind of navigate through this and, and then you know Riker throwing in a few of his little, little things as well. I, I think that even that on the, the grand scale is, is, is a good thing. So I, I think there's a lot of great command stuff here. And obviously the big thing is is Riker's style um, being such a contradiction towards a lot of things that we've we've seen from captains in other series. Um, as far as engineering, you know, I think the 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 talk of energy consumption, power consu uh, power conservation, you know, the 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 splicing. Uh, <laughs> to manually open these these this duct work and everything um you know we're, we're actually talking about the inner workings of a ship we're, we're, we're legitimately going through all of these steps you know hey we have to start turning off uh life support on in these sections you you go to your safe zones like they're creating strategic plans uh, for pockets of life support and then eventually you have to make the ultimate decision to shut that down so I think a lot of that is 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 really neat to see because I, I love the operational stuff just that sort of mundane sort of operational stuff that you know like I pointed out a few episodes back where Picard and Riker came out of the shuttle you know having a decontamination uh, uh, check running so that's the kind of stuff that I've always appreciated you know, in terms of science, I think, you know, we're, we're, we're talking with, like with Crusher, you know, she's realizing that this is a 
effectively like a living organism we're in and you know she's counting the in quotations contractions and you know so we're 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 using our brains to reason our way out of these out of these problems instead of you know just trying to instantly snap out of it you know it's 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 all a it's all a bit of a process and we're you know we're we're sitting down and we're explaining uh you know the 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 minutia of you know it's not just riding the wave you know it's like we have to match it with our thrusters we're channeling all of this in which could be operations could be science but for me i think overall i i would say it's like it's like a triple delta for me so i, I give it all there very good very good eric how about you man i mean i think david said it all there uh, i loved the riker you know we get to see him be the captain that we've always wanted him to see like like you mentioned <clears throat> you know listening to his bridge officers you know soliciting advice and and information from them so he can make the informed decisions and then obviously you know sitting in the observation lounge and listening actually listening to his to his crew and his staff you know talk through the idea and i really i really enjoy seeing that so obviously command delta right i don't think there's any doubt there you know engineering obviously we're we've got to engine you know with you know the whole plan right we've got to ride the wave and we've got to open the nacelles and hey we actually have to go open the nacelles by hand we can't just push a button right but and then i think david made that great point like operations wise you know you know turning off certain systems to conserve power and going to going to safe zones that's operational i think that's a great point there and yeah science it's medical science blues right it's not just science blues it's medical blues right and medical is part of a science and and you know somebody actually making observations and coming up with a theory and then being able to put this in practice so it's it's definitely a triple delta for this episode Yeah, I don't know what else I can add. I mean, y'all are hitting the nail on the head as far as I'm concerned with it. I mean, even, you know, we've, we've talked about um, Pike whenever um, Strange New Worlds premiered and just, like, seeing, like, this seasoned captain, right, compared to, like, a brand-new, inexperienced captain. Um, like on other shows and we don't know how much experience I mean I'm not aware of how much experience Shaw actually has as a captain but the fact that we have Riker you know doing what he's doing and even like knowing and using the resources of the group in the form of Shaw like being that grease monkey, you know, and like leveraging his skill as an engineer. I think that's great. I mean, that's just good leadership. Like even if you don't see eye to eye with someone, you can still like go beyond yourself and look at the needs of the many to, you know, make something happen. 
So, yeah, I mean, like, 100% with command, 100% with operations, like with what we were doing, engineering. Um, if we just open things up, we should be able to recharge and get the heck out of Dodge, basically. Um, and then, like, with the medical, like, with the, the science and, like, the contractions and, like, the parallels that this has with, like, the birth and everything. Like, I mean, I don't, I'm just, like, repeating stuff, but this was really solid in, in showing, like, what you can do when you work together and the different divisions work together in unison as well, which I think has been sorely missed. Like, it hasn't been on display enough. Um, enough. So, um, with that, guys, I guess that um, brings us to um, the, the final part, our numerical rating. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being an absolute dumpster fire and 10 being amazing. Eric, what are you thinking about how to rate this episode? <clears throat> well, I think I think this is the best episode of this season so far, and I don't even really think it's all that close. Um, <clears throat> it felt like a it felt like a Star Trek episode. Yeah, we've got we've got our personal relationships that we deal with, right? Because of course, li- you know, living on a starship, you have personal relationships, and uh, you know, our personal relationships are all from the past, not from necessarily living on the starship at the time being. But you know, we have to work through those. Um, and then, you know, we have a problem that we have to solve and we're solving that problem with science. Science makes observations. We come up with a, an idea and then engineering and operations help implement it. And that's, that's what we do on Star Trek. And, and yeah, we've done that before. We've been trapped in nebulas. We've been trapped in situations where we have no power and and we have to figure our way out of it and so like okay yeah we've done it before but so what it's that's 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 star trek and i think the only reason i'm not going to rate this higher is because yeah we have done this before but but that doesn't mean it's not a good episode that doesn't mean there isn't something we can take away from this and i think you know i think the themes worked you know whether or not we care for flashbacks you know all of our stories connected together and and the themes of the episode about loss and and where you've been in the past and how how you have to you know those things in the past inform what you're doing now and and i think jonathan frakes man is the true star of this episode his acting was was just on point probably better than i've ever seen him before and directing this episode we know he's the steady hand behind the camera and he's like the best Star Trek director out there, probably. Um, yeah, as, as, so as for a number, like, I would say I'm going to give it an 8.8. Oh. Wow. Okay. 8.8 from Eric. How about you, David? So, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree this was the best episode that they've put out. Uh, of this season so far it's one of those somewhat and unfortunately rare instances where the payoff to a particular arc was worth was worth it um yeah i was starting to feel a bit of the slog none of us really like disengage you know episode two last week's episode was um you know average i would say very average but you know we're, we're we're seeing 
to Eric's point, the the really the best of Riker here. I think we're seeing a better Picard than I, I've probably seen in a while, at least in this series. I think that like, you know, we're we're dealing with a lot of a lot of interesting issues here. You know, Shaw and and his, you know, his sort of PTSD thing. Like I I think a lot of this these themes are they're, they're good to see and it's just it's just refreshing to see an episode that really felt like an episode of Star Trek like periodically we just we, we've gotten that but this really had all the all the elements that that you kind of want to see you know you, you actually had operational uh, things going on, which I love. You know, you had the the conference table, like Eric loves. You know, you had the admiral's log at the end, which I, I I know is you know kind of a thing that we all we all like to see those sort of log entries, even if it's at the end. Um, I I do have you know some apprehensions going forward because I I'm not really sure where we're going with this season or even if the payoff the big payoff is going to be worth it but just kind of as we sit here it's a really really nice place to sit you know i i was i was totally engaged in this in this entire episode like there wasn't much that that took me out of it aside from maybe some of the language which you know is whatever um so for me i feel like giving just a just a crazy score. We're just we're just gonna go crazy. Not as crazy as I've gotten beforehand, but I'm going to put this at a nine point one. Whoa. Whoa, David. Bro. That's that's like probably the highest rated episode of Star Trek Picard, according to David. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I mean I think it is. I mean, I'm just look I'm just doing a quick glance and like our highest rated episode in season uh, two was David's at a nine for the Stargazer. No, you gave a 9.2. I'm okay, fine. At it. Yeah. But still, for David, though, this is his yeah. highest rated episode of, of Picard. Yeah. Yep. Whew, man. Okay. So I guess I got to say something now. I don't have to. Captain's prerogative. Um. <clears throat> I like I, re- I really did like this episode, <clears throat> and the only thing that um, really annoyed me was like the slog, like we've been talking about, and still having questions about Vatic. And I mean, we've got six more episodes, you know, and how much more of that is there really going to be for? being able to unpack and really learn about our villain if they're even the the main villain like they might be like who we think the main villain is but they're really they're not the Habib Marwans of the world by any means <laughs> yeah yeah you see that yeah Eric Eric was smiling and laughing there for I got, a second I got, I got it he's picking up and I'm laying down so this did. Yeah, I agree with with my colleagues on this one that um, this did feel like more a return to form with actual Trek stuff. 
you know, with the team, with being smart about stuff, um, actually having a payoff, like David said in his comments. Um, This isn't really, I guess, evaluation related, but part of me is wondering if there's like bits and pieces of the Enterprise D that make up the Shrike. Just, I'm just looking at the deflector dish. Her deflector dish looks so much like the Enterprise D's deflector dish. Just putting that out there. I'm not saying it's a pack-led, you know, hack job or anything like that, but there's something similar. Something kind of oddly alike with that deflector dish. Just saying. So, let's see, I've given... Uh, let's see, the next generation I gave it an 8.3, disengage a 6.8, and last week with 17 seconds I gave it a 7.4. Um, see, now I'm having to think about this. this <coughs> right I think I feel pretty comfortable hanging out around you guys. I don't really have any issues, and I I did have I did enjoy um, the the Riker and Picard dynamic. Hmm. But the Duracell batteries, man, for keeping the holodeck alive, man, that's just weird. Um. I can live with, um, and I'm just going to do this just to spite Eric because I I love him so much I'll go with an 8.81 I'm sorry (laughs) did you just prices right me? (laughs) (laughs) no I'll go with um, I'll go with an an 8.8 just like Eric on this one so I guess it's an overall rating of an 8.9. So this was a great episode, gang. Great episode. So. There we are. There we are. So. the uh, I hope next week's episode is a great episode, considering it's on your, uh, your, your wedding week and everything, Eric. Yes, it is. Yeah, man. So. Anyway. Well, Eric, I'm, I'm sorry, but... There is no Twitter poll this week. I know. Are you going to be okay? I'll live. You'll live? Okay, that's good. I'm glad you'll live. I'll live. live. Okay. All right, well, that's it for the show today. Guys, as always, thank you for for chit-chatting about stuff with me. It's always a pleasure to be able to hang out and stuff and we'll be able to hang out in person next time too with the, the wedding no recording we're not recording that's we're not, not ha- that's not happening no it's not happening <laughs> that's eric's bachelor party we just sit there and record yeah <laughs> get all it's not, get, hap- it's not happening all right david you can come over to the hotel room we'll record in our hotel room then <laughs> so so chase what you need to do though is on thursday you make your wife drive and you somehow before you leave home you download the episode onto your onto your iPad and then you watch it in the car while your wife is driving and David you can watch it on the plane while you're flying yep 
Sounds about right. Be great. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Check us out, trtvpod.com, where you can learn more about us there. You can also share your um, your thoughts and opinions um, through a comment box um, on the webpage. Um, otherwise, you can just you know send us an email to um, trtvpod at gmail.com. Of course, you can also send us a voice-only transmission, 817-752-4757. There's a three-minute limit um, before the space babies hatch and do stuff. So I don't want to be scared. Just, I don't know. I got nothing. Other than that, if you want to mail us something, like something, just get after it. Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas, 76098. Everyone... Thank you so much for tuning in, and as always, remember to boldly go and make it so.